0: Bye. Hello and welcome to Complexity Unpacked with Professor G. On this episode, I'm bringing you a writing workshop that I'm hoping will be a useful resource whenever you're required to write an essay in post-secondary. It will highlight some of the key differences between secondary school essays and post-secondary essays. The search engine features might be specific to the institution I work at, but I think it will be useful to students no matter where you are. Every institution has resources attached uh, to them that will allow you to gain supports as well as find adequate resources when doing your research. So please join me in welcoming Kristen Gonsalves. She has been a teaching assistant in university and helped many students in undergraduate, postgraduate and doctoral level studies with the drafting and editing of their essays. She has done this work during her time at uh, the University of Ontario Institute of Technology, now called OnTech University. And today we're bringing her experience to helping students to our podcast. So please help me in welcoming Kristen as she does her writing workshop on essays for college students.
1: Absolutely, my pleasure. Thank you, Neil. So today I'm here to give you a mini workshop. This is not exhaustive for all the rules that you need to know and understand for writing at the college or university level. So As Neil was saying, um, I have a lot of experience in writing and in editing and also in grading academic papers um, written by students, such as yourselves. There are a lot of common errors that I've come across in my time in academia. And because of all of those errors in papers, I have put together several workshops to try and clear up the most common mistakes uh, and give a guide to help you in your writing journey. Now, writing is a skill, not unlike any other skill. So if you are a sports enthusiast um, or you have a driver's license, uh, you'll know that driving is a skill, basketball is a skill, football is a skill. The first time you try those things, generally, you're going to be rather unsuccessful at them. So how do you get better? You practice. Writing is a skill that you also have to practice. And in order to write well, you must also read well. So how do you practice this skill? I suggest writing a little something every day something more than text messages and Facebook messages and Discord and whatever platform you like to use. Step away from technology, get out some paper and a pen and a red pen for underlining and editing, and start practicing your skill even if you only write one paragraph a day, even if it's journaling or practicing writing a letter to a loved one. When you practice this skill, Uh, you'll see that you get better and better at it over time. And your marks at college will reflect the growth in your skill set. Reading is also important. Reading is what gives you a large vocabulary. So a huge mistake I find is students pull out a thesaurus because they want to sound incredibly intellectual and they want to wow their professors. And they end up taking a sentence and putting in all these $100 words that once you put them all together, um, you render the sentence useless because it makes absolutely no sense. So when you want to pull out your big lexicon and pull some big words from it, you have to make sure that you're using your words in the right context, that you understand the definition of them, and that you're using them appropriately. So with that being said, uh, you know, let's jump into how to start working on those skills. So the first thing you need to know is how to structure your essay. Um, For the purposes of this workshop, the current students are in the School of Justice program you're in the Social Sciences and Humanities. In the Social Sciences and Humanities, uh, you generally are going to come across APA formatting. This is something you're going to use throughout most of your college courses and on into university if you choose to go. So what does this look like? Well, there's some simple components that you might find relatable to your experience in high school. In high school, they teach you the hamburger method. It is a five paragraph paper. Now, while it's somewhat similar in college, uh, in terms of what components are needed, it's also dissimilar. A five-paragraph paper is not something you're often going to come across in college. You will have 2,000-word essays, 5,000-word essays, 10,000-word essays. And if you end up going on to um, do your bachelor's degree and you get to that last uh, semester, you will be doing a massive paper where you're writing a 100-page document. So let's get ready and jump right in here. What do you need? You need a title page. It includes the title of your essay, your name, the date you're submitting, your professor's name, your course code, and also your course title. That's not all it needs. And I'll direct you to an APA guide that will help you figure out everything you need to do to format your paper properly. You'll have an introduction paragraph, which I'm sure you remember from high school. It's going to have a hook, a sentence that frames the issues. It's a little exciting, and it's going to make your reader want to keep going. Now, your reader in college is generally your professor. In university, it could be your professor or a teaching assistant like I used to be. You have to pretend that your reader has no knowledge on the subject, So you're going to write with the assumption that the person that's reading doesn't know anything about what you're speaking to. So you're going to have to make sure that you're clear, you're concise, and that you're doing everything you need to do to clearly articulate yourself through printed word. So your introduction paragraph is about five to seven sentences. It'll include your thesis statement, and your thesis statement will outline your three or more key arguments that are going to validate your position. Finally, you'll have a transition sentence to give your paper flow so it's not staccato and choppy. You'll have body paragraphs. Now, in high school, you were taught at least three, a minimum of one paragraph per argument. In college, depending on your word count or your page count, whatever your professors have set for you, you'll arguably have more than three paragraphs total, and you'll most likely have two or more paragraphs per argument. Your body paragraphs are structured much like any other paragraph. They've got an opening sentence that introduce your reader to the point of your paragraph. And the body of your paragraph is going to have quotes. It's going to have paraphrasing and all of the support you need from the research that you've done to support your argument. It has two final sentences to it, one that sums up your argument and then a transition sentence so we can move on to the next paragraph and still have that flow. So in high school, one thing you may not have done is had to write a limitations paragraph or a considerations paragraph. Now, these could be more than one paragraph, depending on how much you have to speak to. In your limitations section, you're going to highlight the limitations of your arguments. And what do I mean by that? Well, if I said to you that, um, you know, in the summer, as it gets warmer, um, and and we're out there eating ice cream, murder goes up. Well, that's not necessarily true, um, that because we eat more ice cream, and just because the temperatures are warmer that people suddenly go on a murderous rage, you know, there's reasons why murder happens, people are outside of their house more they're exposed to others. So when you're doing research, you're going to find um, pieces of research that seem to point to something, but may not fully explain what you're trying to speak to. So in the limitations section, you're going to point at those gaps in the research and, and try to fill those gaps or point out that your study is not exhaustive. Your paper couldn't speak to everything. And so here's the limitations. In your considerations paragraph, you're going to suggest ways to solve the issue that you're speaking to. So if you're in um, a social sciences program, most likely you'll find that you're writing about some social ill in society. And you're going to use theories and research to try and understand why that situation occurred, so that you can pose a solution. So if you're taking um, an ethics class, you might uh, suggest a model uh, to help you make better ethical decisions. That's just one example. Finally, you have your conclusion, and your conclusion can be one or more paragraphs depending on your word count and how much you've written and how much you need to say. You'll have your opening sentence, which again should be a hook and kind of catchy and you're going to sum up all the different ways that you proved your argument to be a valid position. But most importantly, you do need to restate your thesis. Now, you can either word it slightly differently, so long as you're saying the same thing, or you can reword it exactly as you wrote it in your introduction. Finally, you're going to need a references page. This is the most tedious part of writing your paper. You need to track all of the resources that you use to support your arguments, everything you've read that has informed your position and informed your paper. And you have to list it in a very particular way, in alphabetical order, as per APA requirements. But more on that in a bit. Let's jump into the thesis statement. So most of the time where students go wrong with a thesis statement is they try to say that something is a fact because it is a fact. Your thesis statement is more about telling us what you're going to argue. It narrows down the scope of your investigation, the scope of your argument, and it gives direction for your entire paper. So anything you list in your thesis, you must speak to in the body of your paper. If you don't speak to it, well, you're going to lose marks. And if you tangent and you start introducing other arguments throughout your paper... Well, then you're not sticking to your thesis and you've lost focus for which you would also lose marks. So your thesis statement will take your stand and you're going to justify why you need to speak to something more. So an example of a thesis statement would be this paper argues that the use of discretion of police officers leaves room for serious ethical dilemmas because of X, Y and Z. You're going to fill in those blanks there, um, and those would be your three key points that you're going to argue that will prove that discretion of police officers does, in fact, leave room for serious ethical dilemmas. There's some rules for academic writing, and a lot of students don't follow them. Um, They might be well-read. They might have read a lot of research. They made notes. They... Um, felt like they were putting out a really good product, but they made some key errors along the way that's going to detrimentally impact their outcome. So remember that an academic paper, which is any paper you write in college or university, must be supported with evidence. And we get our evidence from research. Research is meant to give you factually accurate information. So your opinions, your beliefs, your feelings don't have any place in an academic paper. That's something you'd use in a personal paper, a blog, or in social media. So you need to be mindful that you're leaving out statements like, I feel that, or in my experience, or I believe that. Those things should never be in your academic paper. Why is that? Well, hubris, in all honesty. In the post-secondary journal... Your journey, sorry, not journal, you are expected to humble yourself and realize that people have dedicated their lives to knowledge, to gaining knowledge, creating knowledge and putting knowledge out for others. So your mind is a blank slate and you research, you learn, you gather all your information, your evidence, everything that you need And you write using information from people that have actually done legitimate research, not from your own perspectives. Speaking of perspective, your academic paper should be written in the third person. So we get rid of things like saying I entirely from your paper, and you won't use your own name either. Instead, you'll make statements such as, this paper aims to suggest that the author argues that or we argue that. And the we is used even if you are a singular person and not a group writing a paper. So in your paper, you're going to argue that position in your thesis and you're going to support your arguments. And you're going to have to do that in a variety of ways. So one, there should be at least one direct quote from one of your your articles you're going to use for your research in every body paragraph. And you should be paraphrasing the information that you gained um, when you were reading and doing your research from your articles. And then you take that research, you take that knowledge and that paraphrasing, and you relate it to the point you're trying to prove. So, another place where students often fall astray is their writing mechanics. Often there's a failure to write incomplete sentences um, because we get busy, we're typing, we're distracted, we've got Netflix on in the background, we're texting our boyfriend, girlfriend, or other partner. Um, You know, maybe we've got a kid running around. I have four, I know what that's like. Or, you know, the cat just knocked over our coffee. So you're going to want to always go through your work as many times as you can to make sure that you have a coherent paper that only has complete sentences. The other thing you need to look at when you're writing your paper is your mechanics. Let's go back to elementary school. You need to remember where to put a comma. A comma is the number one mistake students make in college and university. So there's a huge difference between these two sentences. I'm hungry. Let's eat grandma. That's you telling your grandma that you're hungry and you'd like some food. Maybe you want to get some food or you want her to cook you something, or maybe you're offering to cook for her. A comma comes wherever you would naturally pause in your sentences. So now let's take those commas and verbal pauses out and say that sentence again. I'm hungry. Let's eat grandma. Now we're suggesting that we're hungry and we want to eat our grandmother. In your paper, These can be crucial mistakes because you may not be getting the point you mean to get across, across to your professor. And if your professor can't understand what you mean to say, well, they can only look at what you are saying, and that can cost you some very serious marks on your papers. Another thing you need to look at is writing compound sentences and complex sentences. Now, if we go back again to grade school or to high school, you'll remember that compound sentences are... Two thoughts joined with the word and or a semicolon. Complex sentences are slightly different. They're sentences that have five or more words to them. They might have one, two, or three ideas to them. We're going to try and stay away in college writing from writing things like, I walked to the store, period. It was cold out, period. I was unhappy, period. But I got there, period. All those short staccato sentences are absolutely painful for your reader to get through. So you're going to want to make sure that you're painting an accurate, coherent picture with your writing, but that your writing is interesting and not painful to read. If you are an ESL student, an English as a second language student, or a student with um, any difficulties that are barriers to you with your writing, there are support services at every college and university in Ontario. And no matter what course you're taking, if you see yourself struggling, reach out to your professors, go on to your college website, and find some resources within the school to help you out. You're not alone. Let's take a look at research materials. So you're not going to be out there um, creating questionnaires and surveying people and doing your own research. That's called primary research. And primary research is done most often by graduate, masters, and PhD students. And there's a board of ethics and a research board and a whole rigorous process they have to go through to make sure that their research methods are sound. You're going to be doing secondary research. Secondary research is where you read the works done by all of the people who did the primary research. We get that from something called an academic peer-reviewed journal article. Not a journal like a diary, a journal kind of like a magazine, like a Maclean's magazine. So these art journals tend to come out um, every month, quarterly. Uh, twice a year, once a year, what have you, and they're full of papers written by academics. They go through a rigorous process to make sure, and that's the peer-reviewed part, that the research methods were sound, that the information was accurate, and that the outcomes um, are factual. What does not constitute academic literature for the purposes of your research? So, you're going to want to stay away from blogs, websites, Facebook, Instagram, um, other people's websites where they're putting up their opinions and experiences and what have you. You can use books, but make sure any book that you're using is a nonfiction book. It's published reputably. And reputably means you're going to use something that came from an actual publishing company, not a self-publishing, do-it-yourself kind of production because nobody has fact-checked that book. Okay, so where do you find these articles? So for these students, they are attending Durham College, and Durham College is a fantastic institution that provides their students with absolutely everything they need to be successful in their academic writing. So I will change my screen share in a little bit, and I'll show you guys the actual website. So when you get to the DC Library website, you're going to look for this omni-search that you can see in my little picture here, and that's where you're going to put your keywords, in that little box right there, the one right before the word articles. Keywords are, think of them like hashtags. So hashtag blessed. If I put blessed in there, it would bring up all articles about being blessed. If I put in police officers, it would bring up all the articles about police officers. If I put policing in Canada, it would show me just articles about policing in Canada. So, Decide what your paper is about, come up with your topic, pick your thesis statement, and then do a little um, brainstorm sheet. You used to do those in um, like grade seven, all the way through 12, where your big topics in the middle. And off of that, you branch off and you write all your little topics and all those little words you write down. Those are going to be your keywords to put in that box. So let's come out of here. Okay, so we are on the Durham College library website. I've typed it in. I clicked on the first link that came up on Google or whatever um, search engine that you use. And this is the screen that you come to. And if you scroll down, you'll see this right here, the Omni search box. So this is where we're going to put in our keywords. And you'll notice it says, beside it, articles, books, and more. So keep that in mind. So let's say I want to look up something simple. Let's just go with Policing is our keyword or hashtag word, whatever term you like to use. We've got it pulled up. So what do we get? Well, there's a journal. There's an article, 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 book. Okay. Well, we're just supposed to be using peer-reviewed journal articles. So let's filter our results. If we come over to the left... We can go to peer-reviewed journals. Let's select that. Available online. Let's select that. Because if we can find the journal, but we can't read it, well, that's just useless to us. So now I'm just going to pull this up so you can see what I'm clicking. You're going to click apply filters. So here we go. Here's a journal article, intelligence-led policing or policing-led intelligence. Mm, Interesting. We click on it. Now, keep in mind that your college provides you with a student number and you have a password. You do have to activate this with the library. So, if you're a first-year, first-semester student and you have not accessed the library either in person or online, I urge you to do so at your earliest opportunity so you can get in and start researching. So, you might ask, looking at this screen, where the heck is this article? Well, it's tricky. You have to scroll down just a bit. And you will see that this one is available at just one source. So when we click on that, it will take us to a page where you're required to put your student number, your password for the library, and select login. Now, I'm not currently a student, I'm not going to put that information in. But if you were to do so and hit login, you would then have access to that journal article. So I'm just going to stop this share for a second and go back to my PowerPoint slash keynote, actually, because I'm an Apple user. All right. So when you're doing your research, I'm going to give you a little tip. While technology is a wonderful thing that does save trees, Most students tend to just skim through because staring at a screen all day gets hard on the eyes, it makes you tired, it gives you a headache, and who wants to sit up straight on their laptops for hours on end reading their research? It's also inefficient if you don't know how to annotate and take notes in your PDFs that you'd be downloading. So I suggest you take advantage of the printer at the library or the printers at your computer commons, wherever you have printers on campus, or if you have your own personal printers, print out your journal articles and mark them up. Get out your highlighters, get out your um, flag notes, your post-its, and make sure that you're pulling all your key information out and remembering and documenting where you got it from, because that will be super important for your um, quotes in text, your citations in text, and that reference page that I told you would be painfully tedious. Keeping track of your research as you go will make that a much less tedious ordeal for you. So what else do you need to know? Well, if you're writing a social sciences paper, generally, you talk about some social ill or social event in society. So you might be talking about a Black Lives Matter protest um, that had some rioting in it. Maybe you're talking about the G20 summit that uh, had some issues and occurred in in Canada. Maybe you're talking about the serial killer in Toronto who targeted the uh, gay population. Um, and, And there were some policing issues there. So if you're talking about a particular event, you might not be able to find a lot about it in a journal article, but you know who does speak to these things? The news. So you can use newspaper articles, and I suggest you find them online, um, from known reputable sources. So you could use CNN, you could use the New York Times, you could use Fox News, you could use Global News. Any of those major known uh, news sources, totally acceptable for you to use. But you need to beware of fake news, things like The Onion or clickbait that you find online. If something is telling you about Kylie Jenner's baby or Kim Kardashian's uh, injected lips, you're not going to want to use that source, uh, even if it does have an article that seems to be talking about what you want to use in your paper. You must be sick of me talking and going oh my god is there anything else so yes finally we need to get to um what i think makes or breaks a paper and i'm sure all of your professors you're going to encounter in your time at durham college or any other institution will agree with this next part you need to proofread your work not just out loud not just in your head both And not only do you need to proofread your work, you need others to proofread your work. What makes sense to you because you wrote it may not make sense to a reader. So if you get a family member or a friend to read it for you, they might be able to catch some mistakes that you've made before you submit it to your professor. And if you're new to the area, if you haven't made strong connections, if you've moved away from family and you're just not feeling very social right now, there are also supports at every college and university that assist students with editing their work, including proofreading and um, showing them what they need to correct and working with you to make sure that you're not submitting a paper that's just chock full of errors. So part of proofreading means you have to accept constructive criticism. People are going to mark up your paper. In the image, you're seeing some red there. When I mark students' work, usually by the end, it looks like my red pen just bled all over the page. That's a good thing. The red pen, the marking it up, the seeing where you've made errors, where you can do better... All that does, it's not meant to criticize you. It is only meant to strengthen that skill we talked about, the writing and literacy skill. So before you submit your papers, I suggest you get out your agenda, get out your iPhone, your Android phone, whatever device you use um, to kind of organize yourself. Writing a paper is something that is time consuming. It really can't be left till the night before if you want to see yourself succeed. So in first year college and in first year university, it's my experience that more than 50% of students fail their first paper. In a course. And those failures come from um, ego, really, at the end of the day. You believed you were an A plus student all the way through high school, and maybe a report card validated that for you. And you took all of the English classes available to you in high school. And so you believe that you're a very strong writer. But writing at the high school level, or if you're a mature student like I was, and you went back a decade later, your writing skills have arguably gotten quite rusty or just weren't where they needed to be for the college level to begin with. So you need to start early and you need to write your paper a little bit every day. And before you start writing the actual paper, what you need to be doing is writing notes. So come up with a schedule for yourself. You should be scheduling yourself time every day to find research. Once you've gathered enough research, you need to be reading through your research and you read once to know and and gather that information. Make sure that it's an accurate, reputable source you want to use. You read it a second time, to learn something from it. And then you read that same article a third time to find what you want to use to support your arguments in your paper. You're going to make a lot of notes and you're going to want to keep track of everywhere you got your papers from so that you can create a properly cited paper that's not going to get you dinged for plagiarism. Plagiarism is like the death of a student. Okay, so I was just kidding. I do have one last thing we need to touch on. So this elusive APA thing that I've been mentioning is um, a writing style that is designed to prevent plagiarism, to keep your content original, and to make sure that there's a standardization in the formatting of your documents. So I always recommend the um, proper APA manual. Now that might be cost prohibitive, or you might get on Amazon and their shipping delays or what have you. So I've put two sources on your screen for you. This one right here at owl.purdue is a pretty good, free, openly accessible website that gives you some guidelines for APA. But for the Durham College students, if you were to click on this link, control click it, um, or just you know pause this video, write this down, put it in your URL and whatever web browser you use, this will generate a PDF from Durham College for you to download. And that is their APA manual, everything you need to know to be successful in citing your papers properly, structuring your papers properly, and making sure that from a visual perspective, you will be able to make sure you don't get dinged in that portion of your rubrics for your papers. So if you have any other questions, please feel free to reach out to your professors of whatever class you're taking. If you need clarification, you need to ask your questions early so that you are not leaving everything to the night before because professors generally don't answer questions the night before some things do. They don't like to answer things on weekends. So you need to make sure that you're organized so you can get the assistance that you need. You're driving your literacy car. With that said, I wish you guys the best of luck. I hope you have a blast writing your papers and honing your writing skills. And um, uh, best of luck to you guys in college.